0: Every universe is different, each one just a fraction unique. Thus the infinity stones are unique. Of course. The Crusher was uh-huh. designed to destroy the stones on my world, not his. Oh! Oh now it matters! Oh, okay. Oh, well good! I oh. feel a bit better. <laughs>
1: What? Let's get Oh, confusing. the
0: logic. <laughs> the logic of this show. It's, it's like a Russian doll within a Russian doll within a Russian doll. Uh, <laughs> endlessly fun to open. True facts, true! Welcome back to New Rockstars. Marvel Studios' What If rewrote the rules of the MCU. The game is changing, but the players are the same. (laughs) But after the Infinity Stones' supposed retirement adventures in game, are these stones, like most retirees of our world, just saying F you to all laws because (laughs) nothing really matters anymore for them. What, what the, the m-? if? This is Inside Marvel. It's our weekly deep dive into all things Marvel. And now that what if season one is complete, we are gonna do our best to answer the biggest what the ifs you may <laughs> still have after this season finale. I'm Eric Boss, crossing those whats and dotting those <laughs> ifs with me is MT. Hey doing
1: MT. I'm feeling good. I'm missing What If a little bit. It's weird not having a new What If this week. I Uh, am too,
0: but it's been nice to have a week to digest it, to unpack mm. it, to rank it in our heads with all the other Marvel Disney Plus shows. We're going to get to our rankings at the end of this episode, how this really lines up in this Marvel Disney Plus experiment of 2021 (laughs) that's changed our lives for the better, I think. Hell yeah. But a week after the What If finale, the biggest question that people are bound to continue tweeting at us for the end of time (laughs) is really how the hell the Infinity Stones work on this show. Yeah. Because... Episode by episode, we were given really new rules for how each stone, or really all the stones, have functioned across these different universes. Now, it'd be fine if Marvel wanted to move on from the Infinity Stones as their sacred MacGuffins, as (laughs) seemed to be the case after Endgame and after Loki, but by bringing them back into the universe with What If, and by insisting that all of What If is 100% canon, it really forces the viewers to try to mentally justify how these narrative absolutes that characters were restrained by, that some characters died over are right. essentially totally different things with different properties now mm. really for the deaths of iron man thanos black widow to matter or for how wanda maximoff's powers work or mm. for what exactly hulk did to trigger the celestials in the upcoming eternals we really need a straight answer on these rocks <laughs> and now we're finally gonna figure this out together Let's right do and it. D- I feel it, Let's I feel it. We're gonna do it for the people, for the nerd people. <laughs> I feel ready to do this, uh, to embark on this sacred quest with Let's you. Let's do it. But before we do, Let's head over to newrockstarsmerch.com to grab some Symbiotic Chaos shirts. It's a really cool shirt designed inspired by Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So you can grab one in blue or black so you have options, depending on whatever your mood is that day. <laughs> There's also uh, some really great shirts inspired by Shang-Chi, Suicide Squad, and of course, What If. So if you buy one of these latest Obsession shirts, you will get the option to leave a custom shout-out that will run during Inside Marvel episodes, like Brian asks, What if Uatu swore an oath to Kang? Oh. That's an interesting thought actually we're gonna address uh uatu's connections with the tva and with kang well we'll talk about that Uh, chris asks a similar question what if the watcher will have to reckon with the tva in season two i hope so i hope they find a way to connect and i have some ideas for how we might get there and then a timeless 124 asks what if mcu hulk was as strong as comic
1: hulk Mm. Ooh, that would be a crazy overpowered hulk because comic hulk is no joke
0: yeah he either. can thunderclap <laughs> planets into dust That's, <laughs> i want to see it
1: yeah i would love to see him thunderclap a planet to dust but maybe not mcu earth there's too many nice people there
0: no i mean yeah yeah of course <laughs> but all right mt what's our big question for this episode of inside marvel
1: well it's gotta be what if the infinity stones function under different logic or are they just Plot holes, because it kind of feels like yeah. plot holes.
0: <laughs> it does sometimes, right? Especially after episode nine, I had really resigned to the Infinity Stone logic on the series, just never really sticking to any consistent <laughs> rules. But upon further reflection, Mt, I realized that no, no, oh. this has to work. Okay. You just gotta think your way out of the depths. <laughs> just gotta do that leap of faith out of the uh, out of that weird hole that Bruce Wayne was in, you gotta t- untether ourselves from the
1: rope and just go for it. Exactly. Right? Dark Knight Rises metaphors land every time. We can time. make
0: it work, Let's. <laughs> but we gotta recap. Okay, so in Endgame, we were told that the Infinity Stones were atomized in the present MCU with their mm. duplicates taken back to their origin points in the Sacred Timeline. And the filmmakers right. chose to keep that return journey off screen, which I believe was really the origin of much of this post-Endgame confusion around the Absolutely. stones. Absolutely. which i get why they didn't show it but the fact that we just didn't see it everyone's like whoa what what happened could this happen i I need to see things to believe things right and then in loki they made this bold choice of having the tva keeping duplicate infinity stones from pruned branch timelines as junk
1: paperweights casey's junk paperweights which makes them extra special
0: and uh it's kind of like andy writing its name on a woody's (laughs) foot
1: I can totally see a, a Casey doing that. He's like, these are my stones. I know other people are these. These are, using are my them. stones.
0: These <laughs> are my stones. And then your angry stones, just in case. Yeah. Now, while these stones are powerless within the boundaries of the TVA, it's never stated if these stones would still work back in their home timelines if, mm. if they were ever reinserted, or if multiple functioning stones could coexist in a single universe. Mm. But it is implied that the original six stones in the sacred timeline still lived out their histories, and the stones from Endgame and prior were still just as important as they were before Uh, but then mt tell us what happened and what if
1: in what if episode one in a separate universe red skull uses the space stone a stone that was supposed to allow manipulation of space like you know telekinesis phase shifting and opening Mm. teleportation portals like the bifrost to open a gateway to another dimension that contains tentacle monsters which is a scary dimension don't want to go there and then you know sends captain carter forward in time through this portal (laughs) Yeah, sure, why not?
0: I mean, how could we justify this? Well, Hmm. you could argue that some dimensions may be accessible through quantum meddling that the space stone has power over, similar to how the quantum realm is accessible through extreme shrinking, In just those dimensions, time is irrelevant. Like in the dark dimension, quantum realm, you know, there's time vortexes, (laughs) etc. That could justify how Peggy Carter's allowed to jump forward 68 years or whatever. But then in episode four, Doctor Strange uses the time stone, mostly similarly to the way it works in the films, like the creation of time loops, etc. However, he instantly jumps back to the night of Christine Palmer's death, that was several years prior, when the time Mm. stone is really supposed to function with a more tedious rewinding of time. Yeah. You kind of have to just like fast forward through it. Like it was the 90s in
1: Blockbuster. They told you to be kind and rewind. That's right. That's right. We don't struggle. That is kind of weird how like the what if was just like, all right, we're just going to put you there. She's like, we don't have
0: time. We
1: don't have time. (laughs) We only have 30 minutes. (laughs) 30
0: 30 to 33 minute episodes. No longer than that.
1: (laughs) But also, this episode establishes Christine Palmer's death as something called an absolute point, which the Time Stone cannot undo or bypass unless you absorb enough mystic beings to give yourself power over an Infinity Stone. A new rule! Nom, 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 nom! That's right, new rule! <laughs> Now this doesn't mean that the concept of absolute points
0: cannot also exist in the live action titles. And in fact, the what a producer said that had they written these episodes after Loki came out, they probably right. would have called these absolute points Nexus points, or really we should say unnexable points, because you know they cannot be branched. <laughs> from um so really this episode i think made the right moves by establishing more limitations on the infinity stones that did not exist before yeah. like we knew the infinity stones were powerless in the tva coming out of loki and now we know the time stone is blocked by these absolute points but we know that those rules are irrelevant to supremely powerful beings yet so far no logic has really been broken in the mcu it's still mostly worked you're just kind of yeah. adding new rules to it and that's fine i think we you're okay
1: with that. And you know, episode 5 ends with Zombie Thanos possessing 5 out of 6 Infinity Stones, awaiting the Mind Stone in Wakanda. And in order for this to make sense, Thanos would have had to take the Time Stone from the zombie remains of Doctor Strange in New York, but then rather than go to Camp Lehigh to get the Mind Stone from Vision, somehow know that the Mind Stone would be headed to
0: Wakanda. Yeah, so this is an example of the writers not really focusing on the logic of which characters could know what when really this is the most common plot hole that exists in almost every movie and TV show (laughs) when you think too hard about it. And that's why I think this is forgivable. You really could just stretch and reason that maybe didn't know where the mind stone was but he reasoned that it would likely end up in wakanda as the world's safest place and then it just got overran but then episode 7 ends with the introduction of ultron infinity which is hey. where i think the infinity stone logic gets a bit muddled on the show because mm. ultron can only transcend into this universe because he has the six stones which is really another new rule possessing all six stones gives you access to the multiverse. It, which, you know, would have been helpful for Thanos to know during the <laughs> Infinity War movies, but he's just like, I, I don't want to test it. I'm just going to stay within this universe and then turn half of people into
1: dryer lint. Hey, he had a specific goal and he just wanted to stick to it. That's yeah. right.
0: I mean, I guess you could argue that the 2014 version of Thanos in Endgame was ready to just kind of rip at all the pieces and start over. But he didn't think, like, I'm just going to go universe by universe to make sure that it happens. I just don't
1: like this universe. Well, I just think that that probably boils down to, like, Ultron's body being more durable than Thanos' is at the right. end of the day. Uh,
0: durable and more efficient, you mm. know? I think as a robot, he doesn't, he's not <laughs> clouded by any of these uh, 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 humanistic notions of uh, exactly. fairness.
1: Or owning a farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Farmers
0: got their own priorities. Right. And you cannot tell a farmer to think imperialistically. <laughs> um, but really, it's a big deal the moment Ultron stepped into that desert to greet Party Thor, because mm. his stones could now coexist in a single universe alongside the stones of Party Thor's universe. Mm. So if the six stones could now transcend universes, it contradicts the suggestion that they were more limited, back from episode four, bound mm. by their home universe trumped by the TVA and it contradicts our understanding from the comics like when Reed Richards found the stones to be powerless when he crossed over into the multiverse Marvel Comics established that to prevent the stakes of one universe from undercutting the stakes of another universe and that allowed the stones to matter to one set of characters in one universe absolutely while Mm. keeping some sense of law and order to a multiverse with duplicate characters crossing over with each other like you don't want a multiverse where if any bonehead gathers the right six stones he can render all of it pointless that just kind of ruins the fun of it a little bit. And that's
1: also quite terrifying I uh, don't want to live, I could not sleep well in that universe, like any, any Joe Schmo, Jeff Bezos can just collect yeah. all these stones and make yeah. everyone's life miserable are you kidding me make everyone an I amazon mean, employee
0: i don't <laughs> mind a terrifying multiverse i just want one that has some kind of sense of consequence
1: mm okay okay i feel you there consequences always good consequences don't consequences, <laughs> <The> consequences! <laughs> But yes, episode eight further confuses the logic with the way Ultron steals the stone from Thanos, because after the events of Age of Ultron, Thanos arrives with the Infinity Gauntlet, missing only the Mind Stone. And that would mean that he took the Time Stone from the Ancient One of this universe and the Soul Stone from Vormir, but he didn't sacrifice Gamora because she was shown to be alive on the Sovereign Planet.
0: Yeah, right. At first, we questioned how this Thanos also could have gotten the Power Stone if Xandar was shown to be undamaged in that episode, but uh, I did later find an animation detail showing how the Nova Prime headquarters seemed to be under a bit of reconstruction, but that the animators included that detail to suggest some continuity makes it even stranger why they would choose to (laughs) include Gamora when it was, you know, her sacrifice by Thanos in Infinity War, seemed to be the only way he could have gotten the soul stone like he didn't love anyone else he didn't he didn't love nebula that much right if he could abuse her it seemed like there was that special relationship that made that so important
1: I mean, I do have a feeling that him and Ebony Ma may have kissed at one point. <laughs> yeah, there's Ma, something, there is something going this. on there. <laughs> he was all about My this.
0: humble personage. <laughs> Get off off your knees. People are looking at me. <laughs> not now, not now. But my That's humble personage. Shut up about your humble <laughs> personage. Yikes. Now, looking back on that episode eight moment, I think really the writers tried to skirt past fan confusion about the logic of all this by making this just a quick joke and a shock gag. Like, zap! Just split in half, right? Right, Uh, that Ultron could be so lethal with the Mind Stone that he could just get the drop on Thanos like that. And I gotta admit, as we were watching it, for most viewers, I think the gag worked. Like we laughed. We just kind of shrugged it off the first time we watched it. And really, I think if this were the only time the show bended the logic around the stones, I don't think anyone would have cared But, you know, combined with all of this, I think for a lot of viewers, it really exemplified a trend on the series of producers insisting that all this mattered, that all this is 100% canon, (laughs) and then routinely making a joke out of the continuity that, has until now really been the MCU's most impressive asset. Like Mm. think about it, when Jimmy Woo showed up in WandaVision doing that same magic trick that he learned from Scott Lang and Ant-Man the Wasp. Ooh, baby, baby, that was the (laughs) gold that (laughs) rewarded the fans and lines us up to support this whole franchise even through its weaker moments. But now, uh, for sure, this is what if. So you can take liberties. Absolutely, please take liberties. Just show us that you're sticking to some inner logic that you have done your homework the way Loki did. Like, so much of Loki was just kind of like, Telling viewers, we know what we're doing. There is a plan here. We are sticking Ooh. to rules. Like, even the finale episode was just a conversation, talking about the rules.
1: And we <laughs> loved it. It was gripping. <laughs> this is true. And I think the the What If finale tried to do that with the failure yeah. of Gamora's Infinity Crusher. Because Gamora's yes. device yes. comes from her universe, where she and Tony Stark killed Thanos on Sakaar. Somehow, kind of wish we saw it, but I guess that's yeah. season two um Uh but but the device doesn't permanently destroy the stones from ultron's universe because the device isn't from that universe and it's later said Mm -hmm. that the watcher intended for this to happen as part of his huge complex big brain plan to misdirect ultron and contain the stones in a pocket dimension for all eternity so the show is suggesting that there is some law and order between universes and the stones and that the stones can cross over into different universes, but they can only be destroyed by things from their native universes.
0: Yeah, exists. right, right, right. And I agree with you, MT, but I yeah. honestly think that makes things even more unruly and <laughs> lawless. It's kind of like Pandora's saying- Box. <laughs> hey, Right, yeah. It's kind of like saying if there's a wildfire, you can only extinguish that wildfire with rainwater from the cloud that that initial lightning bolt that started the fire came from. Or by using uh, the tears of the guests from the gender reveal party that ignited the place. <laughs> Right? It's like, just use any water. Why, does it, why do we have to use that? Cause that is it, that is it. In California, it's just like some dopes in Bakersfield who need to fire a cannon of pink or blue smoke at a bunch of dry brush. Good Lord, just slice a cake. It's a blue cake or a pink cake. Or just decide it's a baby; it doesn't need to have a gender yet. It's so yet. true;
1: it doesn't need a gender at all, man. Like, why are we doesn't doing this? G- Stop lighting California anyway. on fire, Jesus Christ!
0: But really, at the end of the day, it's what you This rule is not a limit; it's a limit on the safeguards against those forces of mm. chaos. And then the finale episode really just reverted back to stone confusion by showing Doctor Strange use his time stone against Ultron's time stone and they kind of just like cancel each other out, but it shows that limitless duplicate stones can be used infinitely with any universe with zero consequence. And one way that you can look at this is that none of it matters. Chaos reigns supreme. Everything's broken. And that is the point. That everything is (laughs) is broken. Exactly. It's all broken intently so that we can explore the ramifications of this broken multiverse in titles Mm. like Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. Sure, I get that. But I reject that interpretation. Because... Whatever happens in No Way Home or Multiverse of Madness, there is no way either of those titles could top the threat (laughs) of a perfectly evil robot god who cannot be killed and wants to kill everyone in every universe ever. Like, uh, No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness are probably going to be really cool, dope stories, but they're not going to go that crazy with it. Like they're going to keep Definitely it specific not. to these characters and you can make a story that matters more to the characters, right? And of course seeing it in live action is going to raise the stakes by default. Like mm. seeing actual Tom Holland or or Elizabeth Olsen or Benedict Cumberbatch have to go through these things and their faces react to this madness. It's going to be super exciting, oh, but yeah, just yeah. the logic of the story, what if immediately jumped the multiverse shark by having Ultron go this ham? And as a title that, <laughs> Uh, would need to set up Multiverse of Madness I just think it went way too hard already Mm. so that's why I don't think we're gonna have to look directly at what happened and say that's why things were broken and Mm. furthermore I don't think What If intended to end on such a nihilistic note like clearly it has its own intentions for some semblance of order as the Mm. season drew to a close so MT I think the best way to walk away from What If season 1 is to assume that these events were actually governed by some rules even if the series didn't use its airtime to discuss them explicitly at Length, though, way Loki and Avengers Endgame did. So, let's nail down four rules that I think are actually still in effect.
1: All right, the four commandments. Give me, give it to me, Moses. Uh, (laughs) Rule
0: one. Hey, stop worshipping that (laughs) cow. (laughs) Stop worshipping that golden cow. Enough. That's the number one rule. (laughs) Yeah. All right, rule number one. In what if? Each of these separate universes were actually created by Nexus variances that really ripple affected the timeline in all kinds of unexpected ways on and off screen, so that the Infinity Stones are not always in the locations that they were in in the films. So, this helps justify Thanos' acquisition order in the zombie episode and the Ultron episode. In the Zombies universe, order just fell apart on Earth, resulting in this happy accident of Zombie Thanos being in the right place at the right time to get the Mind Stone. And in episode eight, when Ultron got vision's body that nexus variance prevented thor from locating the stones and led to ultron using the mind stone to lay a trap for thanos potentially clearing a path for him to get all those other stones kind of like olmec unlocking all the doors of the hidden temple after you grab the relic it's just just go the path is clear for you and then come into my arms and then i'll slice you in half exactly sure you could call bullshit on that rule but i do think it is a rule that the writers held themselves to mm. basically chaotic causes but specific results that Ooh. jigsaw the finale together in this narrowly tailored way do you accept the rule do you accept the rule mt
1: mm, let me think about it rule accepted rule accepted
0: <laughs> okay. that's right uh rule two Infinity Stones in the MCU are depowered in specific buffer zones that include the TVA, the Void, the Citadel, and can be limited by specific clauses within the Sacred Timeline, some of which may still be unenumerated. So this means that Kang and the TVA are protected from the Infinity Stones, and that absolute points may actually be Kang's way of trying to limit the Time Stone's effectiveness within the Sacred Timeline but the very introduction of absolute points in episode four tells us that there could still be all sorts of unenumerated rules to the infinity stones that the mcu may still introduce in the future when it benefits their stories to do so <laughs> which could be frustrating or exciting depending on how you look at life but i'm gonna use a latin phrase here ignorantia juris non excusat." Wow. Ignorance of the law excuses no one.
1: When Guardian Leviosa, Eric. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh,
0: Right, exactly. You may not know what the speed limit is on this road, but you still have to assume that... You just have to pay attention to the world around you, is basically right. what that means. You mm-hmm. can't just wander into a foreign country and kill someone saying, I didn't know it was against the
1: law. You have to <laughs> Wait, murder is illegal here? That's weird. My country, yeah. it's fine.
0: <laughs> when do you go traveling around the world, you have to know what the laws of that country are. And you ca- you have to live within those laws. And there may be laws. It's, pre- it's like the Seinfeld finale. I didn't know there's a good Samaritan <laughs> law in this weird New England town, but it doesn't excuse you for breaking it. So just because we have not seen a piece of world building in the MCU yet doesn't mm. mean that those elements haven't existed out of the boundary of our perception since
1: the beginning. We... We just could have yet to see it. So that's very true.
0: It's basically, for constitutional scholars, this is the unenumerated powers clause of the MCU. They can do whatever they want just because it isn't spelled out in the laws so far doesn't mean that they can't do it. If if only all of our jurists held themselves to that (laughs) flexibility. (laughs) <laughs> Anywho, uh rule three: infinity stones can coexist temporarily in a single universe, but cannot be weaponized to destroy the stones native to that resident universe. Right. So this was the rule given to us by the ancient one in Endgame, and it remains true after what if what if technically didn't change anything there? Because the ancient one established that the stones are necessary to maintain the proper flow of time. Kang, you could argue, needs them to fuel that sacred timeline. Mm. Gamora's Infinity Crusher merely atomizes the stones, preventing their use the way Thanos did in the garden at the beginning of Endgame. But right. in Endgame, despite those stones' lingering energy, their lingering presence in that present universe, the Avengers were able to bring in some duplicate stones from the past variant right. branches to restore the dusted. Now, they didn't mm. reverse Thanos' snap. Five years had still passed. There's still that consequence, and that's because the original six atomized stones were still dictating the flow of time in that universe, They Hmm. just permitted these guest stones to do a bit of redecorating in it.
1: Okay, right. That makes
0: sense. So in What If Episode 9, when Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone to neutralize Ultron's Time Stone, he's successful at canceling out the magic and the way that it's being used on his fellow guardians, but he cannot use his stone to destroy any native stone to, to Ultron there. And the MCU has established this because stone existence is more important than the absence of stones to their mm. stories. But their one limit on that is our final rule, rule number four, infinity stones cannot be destroyed, they can only be contained. Mm. And the way we contain them is things like returning them to where they were supposed to be on their historical path, or by trapping them in a pocket dimension, like a mirror dimension enclosed in a sphere, Mm. so that the means by which those stones were knocked loose from their universe can no longer wreak havoc on the other timelines. Mm. So containment, not destruction. And really, that's been the MCU's general philosophy with everything, like with its villains, Red Skull, Zola, Zemo... Loki, the Sinister Six, we're about to find out, Mm Dormammu, Hydra, the Kree. The MCU would rather shelve its threats temporarily, stowing Mm -hmm. them in exile for future repurposing. And so it's more important for their rules to limit how things can be killed than to limit how many copies can respawn. They are always forward-thinking creation-focused rather than destruction. And that's why it's, it's less common to hear the word kill in MCU Mm. titles than destroy. Uh, I think it's just like a little thing. Like they don't want things to ever have a sense of permanent destruction. Yeah. Uh, Just like kind of uh, uh, this wool, uh, like this mole was whacked, uh, but (laughs) it's a mole. It's going to come back.
1: Yeah. Ever since like Superman, came back to life in the comics. Like, I feel like comics and, like, comic book companies are just like, we don't want to fully kill things now. We just want to sort of keep it on the shelf for a little bit later. So, yeah, it it does make sense for, for, you know, Marvel Studios to sort of do that with their, or want to do that, rather, with their Infinity Stones.
0: And I think uh, rule four kind of is basically the groundwork for all the rules, right? Like, that's Mm. why Marvel just kind of allows itself to take these liberties. Uh, And I think it's what fans want, ultimately, you know, we want things to come back in new forms. Oh, yeah. And and that's why there's a multiverse, right? We just want to be like, okay, well, we kind of uh, blew our (laughs) gasket on that universe. Let's let's see a new universe where we can kind of start fresh. Um, But rule three, in terms of, like, any grievances people might have with the Infinity Stones, that's kind of the one I'm clinging to, right? Like, Mm. uh, this idea of guest stones and native stones. Like, Mm. uh, stones can coexist, but the stones that were uh, native to that universe are really the ones who are kind of setting the house rules of that universe. They take, they take but pressure. guest stones can kind of come in there, and uh, and and you know, like all
1: mothers-in-law kind of move the mugs to a different shop. <laughs> it's like I want this over here. It's like you're not supposed to do that, but I guess you technically can. Because fine, you don't have hands. fine, okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna get in a fight with you over it, but fine, just do it. Just do it because if I fight with you, I'm not getting any tonight. So whatever you want to do. <laughs>
0: but this will not be the last time we talk about
1: Infinity Stones in the MCU, oh, trust no.
0: me, because uh, people have a habit of continuing to tweet us questions about things we've made five videos about already.
1: <laughs> ah, whatever, we're just happy to be tweeted. Yeah. Thank you thank you so much it means that people care about us
0: well we have some more questions we want to get to first we all sometimes lose our sleep binging a show or debating our loved ones over something from the latest disney plus show but you shouldn't lose any sleep because of a bad mattress well helix sleep has a quiz that matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you they have soft medium and firm mattresses mattress is great for cooling you down you sleep hot even a helix plus mattress for plus size sleepers i'm eric voss and i have a helix mattress and i love it <laughs> The quiz matched me with a medium firm mattress with lumbar support that sleeps cool. The mattress ships right to your door for free. No need to go to a mattress store. Just go to helixsleep.com slash inside Marvel. Take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10 year warranty and you even get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash inside Marvel. And guys, there is nothing. Sexier than confidence, and blue chew can give you confidence where it counts. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence, when it's time to perform Blue Chew can help and we've got a special deal for our listeners try bluetooth free when you use our promo code inside marvel at checkout just pay the five dollars in shipping that's bluechew.com promo code inside marvel to receive your first month for free visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode and adam and eve has been helping folks have a good time in the bedroom for 50 years That's multiple generations of freakiness. They got a huge selection of toys of the adult variety, massage oil, even some naughty board games that you can play with your significant other. They also sell lingerie that you could definitely fashion in some very scandalous cosplay this Halloween season. AdamandEve.com is offering 50% off just about any item, plus free shipping on your entire order. So what do you have to do to get your 50% off one item and free shipping? It's not hard. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select any one an item could be an adventurous new toy anything you desire just enter the code marvel at checkout and you'll get 50 percent off any item go check out adamandeve.com today select one item and get 50 percent off including free shipping when you enter offer code marvel that's m-a-r-v-e-l marvel at adamandeve.com all right Empty. let's talk about uh the tva's connection with everything we've seen in what if What if the Watcher is connected to TVA or connected to Kang?
1: I think that's highly likely, considering, you know, the TVA does monitor different timelines and the Watcher does monitor different timelines himself. So it would be kind of weird if, you know, the Watcher and the TVA didn't at least interact like they did in the comics. Because in the comics, I think there's, like, even instances where the Watcher is literally sitting in, in the office of a TVA agent just having a chat because, like, they just know each other. So I think that the Watcher does have some type of TVA connection and you know probably it was probably even tight with he who remains like it probably had a good rapport and uh because he Who remains was a very lonely man and so one of the few people that he could probably even talk to was uatu the watcher i don't know if talking to he who remains counts as interference because he technically is outside of everything so i don't know but, yeah, yeah, I definitely think there is a connection there.
0: Agreed. I think uh, Kang and He Remains have a um, mutual shared interest, right, with, mm. with what the Watcher's doing. They they both, as you said, have this sense of, like, isolation, this loneliness. They observe the universe. They don't always interfere. Although Kang seems to, like, meddle in different ways, but he created this bureaucracy to do it for him. Uh, and so that he can just kind of sit back and just kind of, like, marvel over the <laughs> script and do his math equations and eat his apples. But, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, I think we're going to find out that the Watchers have, like, an antagonistic relationship with the Celestials, but, like, Mm. seems to have um, a cooperative relationship with the TVA and Kang. Mm. Now, does that mean that the Watcher is aware of how he's really doing Kang's bidding? I feel like like Kang is kind of, like, playing his script to fit in with what the Watcher's doing and make the Watcher feel like he's not intervening. But, like, it's kind of like the people who... um, like the lobbyists who benefit from any one presidential administration's policies be like, yeah, sure. Just keep doing what you're doing, baby. We are gonna <laughs> reap the benefits of this. Uh, yeah, and I think he's just kind of like, he is exploiting him in a way, but not in a way that the Watcher feels like is bad. I think it's just kind of a script that, uh, that Kang has kind of set and the Watcher may not be totally aware that he's uh, playing into, or maybe he knows he's aware of Kang, but doesn't see him as anything wrong. He's kind of like, well, this is just a script. This guy is aware of the script, but I'm okay with it because that's the script. I'm not gonna question the script. Um I was really hoping in the series we'd see a conversation between I know. And Jonathan Majors. It would have been so I,
1: good and so satisfying. I know.
0: <laughs> Maybe season two or in Quantumania or something like that. Maybe Multiverse of Madness. Uh I that's that's a conversation. I'd honestly more excited for that than I would be to see Mephisto show up. Like
1: Seriously, I think, you owe us, Kevin. Let's get it let's make it yeah. happen. Fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: Um, all right, MT, I want to ask you what if Zombie Thanos ever breaches his universe? I was kind of expecting Zombie mm-hmm. Thanos to plop in uh when Yeah. Yeah. when that portal opened up
1: yeah because like where was he because only wanda popped through so like that right, makes me right. wonder if wanda took care of him i don't know but anyways um i think that it's highly possible for a zombie thanos to breach his universe because like we you know alluded to earlier the problem with thanos in our universe it compared in comparison to ultron is that his body is going is not as durable as ultron's but if you're a zombie who gives a shit? You can, like, snap yeah. as much as you want because you'll be yeah. totally fine. So I Absolutely. think that out of any Thanos, zombie Thanos is probably very likely to leave his universe. What do you think?
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. I think this uh, bodes well for Peter Parker, for T'Challa, for mm. Scott Lang head, Scott Lang with the cake. <laughs> uh, because had uh, Thanos acquired the Mindstone there, all bets are off, right? But the 100%. fact that, like, the worst thing to come out of that universe would be Wanda Maximoff implies that Thanos never got that sixth stone or they were able to keep it away from him long enough. But it makes me hope that in season two, we'll see like a follow up to that episode. I'd love to see a sequel that follows those three trying to survive Wakanda, trying to keep away from like a deadly zombie Thanos who can use a a time stone. (laughs) who can use a reality stone. Like, I'm super excited to see what that would look like. And then maybe at some point, like, all the, there's like a drain that opens up and all the horde of zombies falls out. And then that just kind of dovetails in with with a season one finale.
1: Yo, I really hope that this, that that world somehow crosses into far from, I mean, no way home. Cause like, even though it's highly unlikely and like, cause there's two separate productions, I think it'd be really cool if if Peter Parker just briefly was like, hey, what's going on? It's like, oh, there's me. In a uh, very more depressed me, I guess.
0: Um, another question I want to ask you: What if the Sakar Gamora episode could have actually been delayed for plot reasons? And uh, mm. I brought this up. I, I I think people thought I was going too hard on animators for like uh, for lying to us. I know that COVID <laughs> restrictions make it really hard to produce anything. So I right. I think that they were partly telling the truth that there were COVID reasons why it had to be delayed. I just think that wasn't the only reason. Just because mm. you know my my fiance also works for Pixar and they animated. An entire film, Luca from home. Uh, I know it can be done, and uh, don't tell me that the animation on Luca was harder to make than a given episode of What If. That had beautiful animation that is life changing when you watch it. Uh, so if they can do that, the the team at Marvel can animate an episode of What If from home. They could figure it out, um, especially with the amount of time they had to produce the series. Um, mm. But uh is like we saw those wolverine claws do we think that there was like wolverine in this episode and then they're like wait no we have a plan to introduce wolverine and if you just push (laughs) us to season two trust us like am i crazy
1: i think that it would be really fun if they did delay it because like hey you know what if we're gonna put claws in the mcu it's gotta be wolverine first that would (laughs) be hilarious um (laughs) but i definitely i think that there probably is some type of plot reason for you know them delaying it to the next episode because maybe this Sakaar episode teases, you know, another big threat, and they like, they just didn't want to, like, Iron Man 2 it a little bit, because, like, all right, mm. like, let's just keep it to this Ultron thing, and, like, you know, if I, I have a feeling that they probably went into the whole Tentacle subplot that was introduced oh. in episode one. That's so, they're probably just like, you know what, we're not gonna get into it this season, apparently, because this is just the Ultron season, but, like... We'll we'll just save that for a a season two episode.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have asked us if this is that um, Guardians Volume 3 storyline that we heard about at the beginning of the season, that there was one pitch storyline that... Marvel said was too similar to Guardians Volume Three, and James Gunn is like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." But uh, I don't think this is it because that was referring to an episode that was pitched, never storyboarded or animated or anything. Mm, Clearly, okay. this was a different idea that was mapped out. They scripted it out. They started to shoot it, and then they had to just delay it. So that's a different mm. thing. I don't think that Guardians Volume Three esque story ever made it to storyboard uh, or you know, beyond. I, storyboard. I wonder
1: if it had to do with Jeff Goldblum and his availability. Almost because like we, we know he was doing stuff for for Disney Plus and all that stuff, but maybe like COVID or something like they wanted to get Jeff Goldblum because who's gonna really do a Jeff Goldblum impression? Like let's be real because if this yeah, does take this it's a car, you can't, yeah, you can't do it, you can't. So I would I, mean, guess if- I don't know,
0: maybe maybe <laughs> I just it seems like so they were able to get dialogue from uh, Goldblum for other episodes from this Kurt Russell, or oh, all right, these big right. name actors uh, mm-hmm. were able to go into their closets. And then record a thing because that's what you have to do. You make the actor go in their closet and then, uh, and because that's what has the best. Oh, audio the
1: price of acting. Yeah.
0: All right, MT, let's end on the question of how does this series rank for you compared to mm. WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and Loki?
1: Whoo. It's always difficult to rank something, especially know, on the internet. I hate oh. doing it. I hate it. Okay. You know what? For me, I'm going to say, I'm going to say WandaVision, I'm going to say okay. Loki. Then what if, than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and no disrespect, to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because those were at least, uh-huh. we were all so blessed to have amazing shows this year. Like yes. the fact that we had all these programs is mind blowing. But Agreed. I do like What If a little bit more than Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I just personally like cosmic shit, like WandaVision, Loki. My that's my thing. I love it. But yeah. What do you think?
0: How, how about you? Agreed. Um, similar rankings. I actually love WandaVision a lot more than the Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, mm. I think the Falcon Winter Soldier has some good elements to it, but like just too many of the subplots just were really underdeveloped. Yeah. I yeah. love the Sam Wilson, Isaiah Bradley stuff. Uh, I thought all the uh, John Walker storylines, especially in the final episode, they really just kind of wasted the character uh, mm. and it's like true. just kind of made him this weirdly, vaguely redemptive character. Dude, it was so weird. him Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Um, anyway, I might have gone into my thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier. My <laughs> ranking would be, uh, just slightly altered from yours. I think fourth mm. would be Falcon Winter Soldier. Third mm. would be What If, but there's a big gap between those. And then my top two, I really go back and forth. I, I think, uh, I love, I think I would go number two, WandaVision, number one, Loki. But okay. I go back and forth on those, to be honest with you. Because mm. I think nothing, uh, across any of these shows... M- moved me more than uh, Wanda's relationship with Vision throughout WandaVision. I thought it was Mm. so beautifully written and it made me love the character of Vision. You know, before WandaVision, I wasn't crazy about the character of Vision. (laughs) I I thought he was really an underwritten, weird character. I love Vision. They rescued this character from me and made me feel all kinds of feels. Uh, Mm. And the fact they introduced uh, Agatha Harkness, you know. They did so much cool world building. The concept of the sitcoms. I just think the subplot, you know. I haven't really thought too much about Monica Rambeau since that Mm. season came out. I think she was a cool character. I just think, like, her backstory with uh, with Carol Danvers just seemed to be just kind of hinted at. And they never really did a lot of character building with her. So when looking back when she powers up into spectrum like i, I or photon you know i yeah. i didn't really feel a whole lot from that um mm. but i still love so much of the show but the reason i kind of rank loki number 1 is like everything about that show really stuck the landing, I think by the end, like it it was so ambitious with the, the fact that they were able to like rewrite the rules every episode and still kind of like maintain continuity and do such great character development with, uh, with Loki Laufison and with Sylvie uh, and with Owen Wilson as Mobius and with Renslayer, like every part of that show felt like they got an interesting arc by the end. And the fact that they could end that series with He Who Remains just monologuing at us, dancing <laughs> around that room. And I'm enthralled. I am gripped. I'm staring at it. I'm like, holy crap. But I right? ask me ask me next week, MT. I'll make a case for why WandaVision was the number one show. I, I hate ranking, <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Oh, no, 100%. Loki was a phenomenal program. And, like, the set design of Loki literally blows yeah, my mind. Yeah, production design.
0: Said. Incredible. Yeah. 10 out of 10. But, I, but ultimately, I, you know, I can find things to love about all four of these shows. I'm with you, MT. I feel mm-hmm. blessed that we got all four of these, that we can now exist in a world where every week we get a new piece of MCU lore that we can break down and discuss and react to. Like, right? man, it, we are in a golden age. Like, I, ne- I thought after Endgame, I didn't know where the MCU was going to go next. But the fact that, like... I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, the rules do change in sometimes ways that break all the rules that came before. But I'm loving this right now. Oh, like,
1: absolutely. Like, it ain't 2008 no more. Like, we have grown yeah. since then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, uh, that's it for this episode of uh, Inside Marvel. But MT and I are going to be back every Wednesday to answer your biggest Marvel questions. Whether it's about Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Hawkeye, and beyond. So, mm. stay tuned every Wednesday. We're going to be here answering it all uh don't forget to check out our many great merch options at new rockstarsmerch.com follow me at ea Voss. follow mt at mastertainment follow and subscribe to new rock stars and of course subscribe to inside marvel wherever you get your podcasts thanks for watching and we will see you next week everyone bye-bye Bye.